hello. <laughs> this feels really weird being like down at the front and everyone's up, but I can see the back. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, we are looking, going to be looking at Nehemiah 6, uh, chapter 6 today. Um, but first of all, I wanted to share a few sort of uh, things from lockdown. I don't know if you can relate to some of these things from sort of lockdown in the last couple of years, sort of weird phases that we went through in our house. Um, so I've got a few th slides coming up. Hopefully, will the slides work? Are they working okay? Should maybe wait for a minute. Hopefully there'll be a few photos will come up. Anyway, I'll tell I'll tell I'll tell you about the things, and then maybe the pictures will come up. If if they don't, it doesn't matter. Um, so um, one of the first strange phases that we went through right at the beginning, where nobody really quite knew how this whole COVID thing was going to go, um, but was buying unnecessary amounts of tinned food, frozen food, big packets of rice, that kind of thing. Um, I had to rein Stephen in, my husband, because he was like, let's get a big sack of potatoes and keep it in the shed and uh, however many kilos of rice. I was like, no, it'll be fine. I'm sure we're going to be okay. Um, and I actually still, I actually found some the other day, some leftover tins that I was like, we still haven't actually eaten th this food. Um, so. The other phase that we went through um, quite recently, we're still going through this phase, is the dodgy DIY haircuts. Um, so quite a lot of people I think can relate to that, cutting their own fringes, doing little trim here and there. Um, I suppose in the worst case scenario, you can always shave it all off if, and it grows back. Um, but yeah, we've been through a few sort of dodgy, dodgy haircuts in the last couple of years. Um, the other one that we've got, because we've got um, young girls in our house, um, and in particular our seven-year-old and our 12-year-old are quite into this with the TikTok dances. I am not cool enough to know really what TikTok's all about, but it basically involves learning a new dance. There's always a new one that everyone's learning in the playground. Um, and I have been the victim many a time of what I'm calling a TikTok attack which is where you basically are just minding your own business. I'm usually in the kitchen when this happens and just washing dishes. And all of a sudden it's like, mom, look at me. And then it's like 20 seconds of really intense, quite aggressive dance moves in my face. And then she's disappeared. Um, and I'm just left wondering what all that was about and I never really find out. <laughs> but that's basically what TikTok dances look like and feel like to me. Quite aggressive, actually. But anyway, some of us might need prayer for that. I think I do, actually. Um, so yeah, another one of the strange phases that we've gone through, it's a shame the photos aren't coming up, but never mind, it doesn't matter, um, is um, you'll have to use your imagination, that's all it means. <laughs> so another strange phase that we've gone through is reliving old TV programs from back in the day. Um, has anyone else done that? Yes, when Netflix, when you run out of everything on Netflix, um, you've got to resort to, right, let's go and relive some old memories. So, um, Depending on what generation you grew up in, it might be different programs on the list, but the ones that we've done are gladiators. Can you feel the power? <laughs> um, Blind Date. I love Cilla Black. I watched, uh, yeah, we used to watch all the Cilla Black programs. Um, Crystal Maze. That was probably my favorite. I think, yeah, Thomas is a big fan of Crystal Maze. I think you've spoken about it a few times. A supermarket sweep. Do you remember that one? My gran used to love it. <laughs> it brings back so many memories of being at my gran's house. Anyway, they don't make stuff like that anymore, do they? There's so many game shows. Um, and in particular, I remember the, the cooking game shows. Do you remember those? Ready, Steady, Cook. Um, the one that I used to uh, love was Can't Cook, Won't Cook. 
So this had um, Ainsley Harriet in it. He was a chef and he was in the middle. Um, and you would have someone nominated who couldn't cook at all. Um, and another person on the other side who refused to cook at home. So they're the can't cook, won't cook um, contestants. And then Ainsley Harriet would be in the middle, like basically um, saying, copy me and what I'm making. He would be cooking in the middle and they'd be having to sort of keep up and copy him and make the same meal that he was making. Um, I used to love his Jamaican like dancing, <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, and um, basically at the end, the contestants, whichever one had made the sort of tastiest meal um, was the one who would win uh, the prize, which was usually like, it, it was this big reveal where they opened up this cupboard, kitchen cupboard, <laughs> and inside there was like a blender or a processor, it's like, go home and, and never use this again. It wasn't a good prize for someone that doesn't enjoy cooking. Um, but anyway, that was that. Was that. But um, So the reason why I'm talking about can't cook, won't cook, is because um, what we're speaking about today is can't quit, won't quit, uh, which is kind of how I would sum up um, Nehemiah chapter six. So um, in, one second. Yeah, in this chapter, um, there's so much about perseverance uh, when Nehemiah faces um, adversity. And so, um, but the thing, the thing that he declares is that he can't quit and he won't quit. Um, so we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 6. So um, if you want to grab your Bibles or your app, Bible app or whatever, um, and we'll start from verse 1 to 15. So I'll just, I'll read it. I'm reading in the NIV version. Um, right, so. When word came to Samballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Samballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I can't go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Samballat sent his aide to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and you've even appointed prophets to make this pro proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Samballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Samballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet 
Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. So that's, <clears throat> um, we're going to stop there. So um, as I said, this uh, chapter, to me, what springs out is it's all about perseverance and not quitting in the face of challenges and adversities. So um, a, couple, a few things that we're going to look at today, and um, the first one is how we need to remember our purpose, what we're made for. Um, we need to soak in the truth of God's word and who he is, and we need to discover our identity, who we are in Jesus. And so the very first thing that um, Nehemiah is faced with is distractions. And I don't know about you, I'm so easily distracted sometimes. It depends on what I'm trying to do but, um, um, but, and what the distraction is, but I can be really easily distracted. Um, and when I think about distractions, I straight away go back to my final year in university when I was studying pharmacy. So we had a thesis to write, um, and there's a, there was a few of us that had all chosen the same subject on antibiotic resistance. So at first we were all working in a group, and it was all going great because we were in a group, so we were accountable to each other. Um, and we had to create a survey. It went out to all of the hospitals in the UK, and then the survey started coming back, and we had to input all this data. Um, so that was all fine. We did that as a group working together. But then from that point, we had to go off, um, write our dissertations ourselves, interpret the data, and come up with our conclusions. Um, and so from that point, I was at home most of the time um, in, with basically with this project of writing like 20,000 words on this subject, um, not really quite knowing <laughs> what I was doing, never having done this before. So um, I can honestly say that it was one of the worst things I've ever had to do. And let's bear in mind here, I have given birth four times, and I would rather have another baby <laughs> than do this again. Um, so, yeah, so it, um, like we were given enough time to complete the work. That's not my, I have no complaints about that. Um, we were definitely given enough time, and we had had gaps in our timetable that were deliberately there to allow us to write our dissertation and prepare it. But anyway, I'm just, as I said, I get easily distracted. I'm quite a bad procrastinator, and I've started. Yeah, just catching up on things I've missed on TV and basically decluttering the house and finding it as a great opportunity to do all these other things. But then the deadline was sort of creeping up gradually and I was like, right, I'm gonna, okay, I'll, today I'll start, today I'll do this. And I'd set myself these ridiculous goals of like what I was going to achieve in that day and then get no way near it. But as the, obviously as the, I think I only had like a few weeks left and at that point I was like, I actually can't do this anymore. I cannot. Uh, procrastinate any longer and I was writing non-stop for, I don't, for a, cu a couple of weeks at least. I wasn't getting enough sleep, I um, wasn't washing my hair because I didn't have time, I was eating all of my meals in front of the computer because I literally just couldn't even stop. Um, well that's how it felt anyway because I was just so under pressure. Um, I was a total wreck um, and Stephen will remember this well. <laughs> I think he was just like, oh, he was, he basically did everything, uh, um, like cleaning, cooking, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so I did get it finished, and I got it finished the night before the deadline. I was up until the early hours of the morning. I was printing, I remember sitting there with the printer, like, why can't this thing print quicker? Um, and it was about, I don't know how many pages it was, but it just felt like it went on forever. I finally got it all printed. Um, at that point, I used to get the bus into Aberdeen, so... Somehow I still managed to miss the bus I, I planned to get. Um, and then 
I was getting the later bus, which was still enough time, but only just. I still had to go to the library and get it bound, because they told us we had to get it bound. So I, I was then try in the library trying to figure out how to work this machine. Um, that took longer than I thought. And then I was running to the School of Pharmacy, like running down the street, um, got it into the Dropbox, I think, with seconds to spare. It was honestly like um, cutting it so, so, so fine. And one of the professors was actually standing there, just like, Wow, okay, you're the last person here. Um, and I'm literally about to just like, yeah, clo take this box away. I was like, oh, I felt so bad. because I was like, yeah, I just knew that they knew that I'd been so disorganized. And all of that went so, so wrong because of distraction. And because I got distracted from this really important work that I was supposed to be doing. And I put myself under so much stress. So Nehemiah faces distraction here. And he's, he's nearly at the end of his work. So the wall is built. He says that it's just few finishing touches, so some gates and doors that need to go in. Um, and then all of a sudden, this invitation comes out of the blue. Let's come and meet us. And it's all very vague. I don't know why they want to meet him. Um, I don't know why they've picked this location. But what I did look into was the fact that it's about a five-day journey to get there, and then obviously five days back. Um, so it was at least a 10-day um, distraction for, for him. But um, either way, he basically identifies it as a distraction. And he is like, no way am I going, because he knows what he's supposed to be doing. And he understands the importance of what he's doing. Um, he reminds not just himself, but he tells them that it's way too important for him to pause what he's doing. And he's just not going to stop until this work is done. And I think that's the antidote to distraction in life. I'm sure there's loads of things that we can think of that we maybe time that we could have better spent doing something different. Um, but it really comes down to knowing what our purpose is, what work God's given to us, and what work He hasn't given to us. <laughs> and I, th I felt actually when we were singing earlier that like there's maybe some people in the room that actually maybe need to put some stuff down that they picked up that what isn't. It isn't their purpose in life. It's not, there's no, maybe nothing bad about it, um, but it's not actually what God's made you for. And so what is the work? What is our mission? What is our calling? And I think sometimes we get too kind of, we think that our, our mission and calling has got to be something really out there and extraordinary. But I think so much of what has impact and influence. When I, people, when I think of people who have impacted me and influenced me, I think of teachers, I think of my grandparents, I think of certain managers or bosses that I've had. So it's not always necessarily sort of, I don't know, like you're, you're gonna be some kind of name and lights kind of person. Um, but y you know, having impact and influence can be being a grandparent in a really amazing way, or it can be um, setting an example in your workplace or it can be just ha being that person that is that listening ear for people that are going through a difficult time. It can be being that prayer warrior that does not quit. Um, it can be sharing your wisdom with others around you. There's so many ways that you can have purpose, calling, and a mission in life um, and make a real impact. And so I, I kind of um, really want to urge you to sit with God and spend some time at some point over the next few weeks thinking, you know, are there things in my life I need to put down? Are there things that God's put in my heart that I've kind of put to the back burner? Um, but I think, yeah, just rediscovering what it is that God's made us for is really key. 
And Nehemiah knew this was a God-given work and he is not going to quit until it's done. So the second um, kind of adversity that he faces is lies. So he faces um, lies from his enemies. They're spreading rumors and they're saying that basically he's planning to lead this revolution. Um, they're threatening him um, with blackmail, essentially. And um, Nehemiah responds to these lies and he calls them out as what they are. He says, you know, this is totally untrue. This is, you're making it all up and you're just trying to frighten and intimidate me. And there was a quote on, that I just, I spotted on Facebook this week. Um, and I thought, I don't actually know who said it or wrote it, um, but it's this. The enemy never wastes a fiery dart by aiming it at a spot covered by armor. The bullseye is always located dead center in our inconsistency. That's where the enemy plans to bring us down. And so the places that we're vulnerable, where we feel weak, where we feel tired, where we have issues with pride, where we feel insecure, where there's hurt or damage, the areas where we're uh, sinful or where we've like dropped our guard, these are the areas that um, we will face adversity most of the time. And a lot of the time that dart will be a lie or at least initially it will be some form of lie. And things that popped into my head were phrases like these, things will never change. I'll never be free. I can't do this anymore. God doesn't care. Nobody understands. It's too late. These are all lies. Um, and the really difficult thing about lies is a lot of the time they can be much easier for us to believe than the truth. Especially because a lot of the truths about God don't make sense to us. We can't get our head around them. Because we know, for example, that we've done nothing to deserve or to earn God's love. But we have it in, in immeasurable quantities. He pours it out and it never runs out. Um, and that doesn't really make sense to us because we're like, well, I haven't deserved it. Um, other truths like, you know, when we come across a part of our life that's sinful or a mess or broken, you know, a lot of the time we can be like, I don't even want to look at that. I just want, I, you know, we're, we're quite disgusted by it sometimes. But God, who is pure and holy, actually draws close to it and washes us with his forgiveness. And again, that doesn't make sense to us. Why would he do that? Um, when we run out of patience with other people, we, we lose kind of... What's the word? We, we lose our patience, we give up, we get fed up with other people, especially if they've hurt us or they, they kind of push us away. Um, and yet when we do that to God and we push him away and we walk away, he always welcomes us back. And again, that's the truth that doesn't make sense. Um, because God's ways are not the same as our ways. Um, he's not limited in the way that we are in, in, by those things. And when we can't grasp a hold of that truth, that's when lies can take hold as well. And where do we go to get this truth? Um, the best place is the Bible. To get to know God, to understand what he's like, to see how he never gives up on us, how much he loves us, what he would do for us, all the things he has done and will do to make sure that he is close to us and that we know him and that we know his love. Um, we just need to be saturating the whole of ourselves in this truth. 
um, make, space in, make space for it in our week, give it our time, give it our attention, read it out loud, write it down, memorize it, ask questions about it. I, I, one thing I love doing is um, when I want to pray, I go to a psalm and I make a prayer from a psalm. Um, so modeling our prayers around this word. But above all of that, I think just taking it to heart and actually letting it really live there and settle. And then when lies come along um, and they kind of knock on that door, then the truth is, the truth answers the door. The truth answers. And we have something to counter the lies. And then the last thing I just wanted to look at was how he's, he's faced with fear. Nehemiah's faced with fear. So, um, and when we're faced with fear, <clears throat> I think one of the keys is to really know who we are in God, who um, we are in Jesus, and how he set us free from, fe from fear um, and anxiety. I've, I've um, had, like, I'm sure a lot of us are the same, but I've, the last couple of years, there's been certain little revelations about myself um, that I've learned. So one is that I has definitely spend way too much money on takeaway coffee, <laughs> coffees and uh, takeaway food and restaurants. I mean, it's good for the businesses, I suppose. So <laughs> let me think of the positives here. Um, yeah, so um, that's my reason and um, supporting local business. Um, and uh, yeah, so when, we, when everything was in lockdown, when everything was like restaurants and everything was shut, Suddenly we were like, oh, we've got money left over at the end of the month. Like, this is, where's this money come from? Like, and then we we're like, oh, we're, we're, all the restaurants and stuff are shut. We're obviously spending quite a lot of money on food and things. Anyway, um, so that was one thing. The other thing was that teachers are absolute gold. Teachers are amazing. Yeah, school, and everyone that works at a school that, that, oh man, I had, like, I thought you were amazing already, but now I realize it more than ever. Um, yeah, I'm not cut out for the whole homeschooling thing. <laughs> um, I scraped by in that way. Um, and the last thing that I kind of learned about myself is that if I could, then I genuinely would live in my pajamas, I think. If I didn't have anywhere to go during lockdown, I was in my pajamas. Um, so I think it's probably a good job that I do have places to go. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be live it, living in them all the time. But yeah, they're just a few of the silly things I learned about myself. But I also did actually, um, in that time, kind of discover some of the stuff that I'd put on the back burner, some of the sort of dreams and passions that I'd had. And I'd kind of put them, oh, later in life, later in life. Um, I also came across some of the hurts from my past that I'd kind of locked away and didn't really want to deal with. Um, I was aw suddenly aware that there's stuff being swept under the carpet um, that's like, oh, that, I didn't realize that was there, you know, a li little bit of anxiety under there, and it's gradually getting bigger. So there's been things over the last few years that I've had to kind of tackle um, and come face to face with, and I know for sure that there's plenty more shadows in the corners, and there always will be, but I do feel really grateful to God for helping me to make progress and, and process a lot of things, and helping me to get to know myself a little bit better in that way. Um, so yeah, Nehemiah was faced with, with, with fear, that like he's genuinely being warned that his, well, he's being warned that his life is in danger, and he could run and hide, um, but he says absolutely not, because he knows the kind of person that he is. And I just, I only assume that at some point in his life, he has decided that he is not a runner, he's not a quitter, he's not going to let fear dictate um, his choices and his direction in life. And I'm sure he involved God in that process, that he, it was God that taught him how to be a fearless man. 
And a few weeks ago, Thomas was speaking about the values of the church, of the Vineyard Church. And I, was, I went away thinking, oh, I wonder what my values are. Like, that's a really good thing to think about your values, like who you are, who are you, um, and um, who has God made you to be. And I, w- I wonder for some of us, maybe we actually do need to sit down with that sort of a blank piece of paper or a bl- like a blank canvas and just ask ourselves and in, in front of God, ask him, what is it that he wants us to prioritize? What do we value? What matters to us? What kind of a person does God say that we are? Because Nehemiah had this really clear understanding of who he was and what he stood for and fear was not one of them. So when um, he felt like he was maybe going to be backed into a corner and um, he could run and hide, he wasn't intimidated and he carried on and he refused to quit. And then we read in verse 15 that the wall was completed. And that is what happens when we don't quit. Things get finished and the work gets completed and we do the things we're supposed to be doing and we get them done with God's help, obviously, and with his strength. But that they're the three things I feel that we need to have a really good understanding of. The work that God's given us. What is the work? What is our calling? What is our purpose? And why is it so important? Having a really good grasp of who God is and the truth of his word as our defense when lies come along. And also a really clear understanding of who we are in Jesus. What do we stand for as we follow him? And so... That's me finish with, with that, but if we could maybe stand, I think there's a couple of things. So as we stand, we're going to basically wait on God um, and see what he wants to do um, through, through this chapter, through Nehemiah's experience with all of this. So if we could stand. Um, there was a couple of things. So that as I was preparing for this, um, that, that kind of... God put on my heart and one of them was and if, if, if this is you I wonder whether what we could do is if any of this rings true maybe just like raise your hand slightly like this and a few people around you can gather around and pray over you I and mean, you don't need to open up massively about what it is God knows it's between you and him but we are brothers and sisters we are family um, and we are here for each other and we can pray for each other can't we so the first thing that I felt that God put on my heart was the, was a verse in Philippians 1.6 where it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And just as we're speaking about work and completing the work, you know, God has begun a good work in us. And I felt like some of us need to be reminded that God has not given up on you. God will never quit on you. He's working in you. He's transforming you. And the picture that I had was like a caterpillar to a butterfly. And I feel like for some of us, like we feel like we're in that really messy stage, like the chrysalis bit, where everything inside is, basically what happens is it all turns to mush and before the butterfly is, comes out as a butterfly. And so I feel like some people maybe feel like it's just a mess, it's uncomfortable. But I felt like God was saying that when the time is right, you will break out of the shell, transformed completely. And the other thing that I felt um, God was saying was, he gave me a picture of like waves on a shore and it was like really calm, really tranquil. And just these waves washing kind of backward and forward. And um, I felt
felt like it was to do with like his word and like spending time either reading the Bible or just spending time in his presence and just how sometimes that can feel like, oh man, I'm not doing it enough. And, um, and then when you're like, come on, God, speak to me. Like, um, what are you saying? I'm trying to hear your voice and just how it's become quite like a striving. But he was just saying, just let his presence and his word just wash over you like waves on that shore. And it was like, as the waves were, were sort of coming in and out, like pebbles were, were being smoothed and like rough edges were being smoothed. And also like the tr like treasures were being brought to the surface. That was like these seashells and these little treasures that you find when you like beach comb. He was like bringing all these lovely things to the surface. And I felt like he was just saying, just don't try too hard to hear from me. That sometimes when he speaks, it'll be like a whisper. Or like, you know, when you hold, your, hold that seashell up to your ear and there's just like that humming sound and it kind of sounds like the sea, that sometimes his voice will sound like that for you. Um, and he's actually leading you away from like, stu like a stuffiness of like religiousness and he's actually inviting you into that sort of childlike wonder of being on a beach and discovering all these things and collecting them in your pockets. Um, so there are a couple of the kind of pictures that I had. So let's just invite God into this space. And like I say, if anything, either from what I said or those last two things there, um, just kind of ring true in any way, feel free just to pop your hand up and people around you can gather around and, and pray.